You are listening to Rockwell Church in Virginia, Minnesota. Find us online at rockwell.church. Now, here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Talking about the armor, the spiritual armor that we need to move forward in Christ. The things that God has provided. And so we've been talking about this over the last few weeks. And you can actually watch that online. So it's an audio, it's on video. Um, It's the whole church worship service as one video. And another one where it's just the message that you can subscribe on YouTube as a podcast if you want, a video podcast. But um, I've been putting the full outlines on the webpage afterwards. And um, hopefully it's helpful to you. So it appears it might be helpful to some other pastors on Friday and Saturday nights. I'm not sure, but uh, some people are, are visiting, and it's, uh, it's good. Nonetheless, the passage says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And those schemes are many, and they are subtle, and sometimes you don't even know what's going on until there's a big mess, until things are on on fire. And so it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So the belt of truth holds you together. It's also a place you can stick your sword, but basically it's the truth that holds you together and also helps support you. If you're going to be in battle for a long time, a big, thick, uh, think like weightlifting belt kind of thickness um, can help support your core and to help you move forward. That breastplate of righteousness, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, helps protect your heart, helps to protect your, uh, your vitals from, from being pierced. And the Bible says it's important to guard your heart. So, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So that was kind of a, a, a three-step thing there. That one, you are, um, well, it's the shoes in the armor that are um, thick leather on the bottom so that you can, you know, keep marching along even around on different uh, difficult difficult terrain, um, had like studs on the bottom to give you traction and helped hold your feet together so you could get where you needed to go. Um, I also mentioned that when they're marching um, real close to each other, it was important they didn't stomp on each other's feet. And that's what happens in the church sometimes is we stomp on each other's feet. And we want to make sure that we're quick to ask forgiveness and to move forward uh, together without conflict with unity and purpose. So, and it's a readiness that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I explained last week. And the gospel's true intent is peace. It's peace with God. It's peace with man. And then, so then it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So this shield, they had like the buckler, the little round shield uh, that usually had like a a round kind of like bulb thing sticking out of it so they could, you know, bash into people. 
When, when I mention this armor, it's interesting. I was watching some videos on like the Romans and warfare and also the history of their armor. And so you can kind of tell different parts, like what time period it is of the Roman Empire, if it's a real uh, quality like drawing of the, the time period. Because what happened in the beginning is that only the rich guys could afford the armor. So the guys that were well clad with, with all this stuff, they were like wealthy landowners. They were people that had means to be able to buy this stuff. And the poor people just kind of put together whatever they could. As the Roman Empire grew, eventually the government started to buy the armor and they trained with it. And then they all kind of look more uniform and everything. But the principles that Paul gives us from Scripture is based upon um, a Roman soldier uh, from a more developed time uh, when the government was paying for the armor. It was quite uniform. So um, this shield, though, that Paul is mentioning was like a door. So basically, it was like maybe four feet by two and a half or three feet. So um, I've tried to carry around when I was doing a youth ministry thing. I took one of the folding tables that we have, and I was trying to carry it around like a shield. And it can be done. It's kind of heavy, but it can be done. But back in these days, they would train with carrying around weights that were heavier than the shield. So the shield was basically made of wood. Sometimes it would like have an iron frame and handles to hold onto it. And then it would be covered in like some kind of animal hide, some form of leather. And often what they would do is they would soak the leather so that when they were in a battle and the arrows were coming in, the enemy would take arrows and put pitch or something on it so that it would burn. And they would shoot it. And then like tents would catch on fire. Um, the shields could catch on fire, but if everything was good with the shield and it was wet, often the arrows would bounce off, or at least they wouldn't um, flame, uh, you know, catch anything on fire. And however, as war, again, I was watching YouTube videos, I don't know how accurate they are about Roman warfare, but uh, as time went on, some of the enemies started to shoot arrows that were so full of uh, flaming stuff that wouldn't go out that basically they would shoot it at the shield. The, everything would catch on fire and there was nothing to do, nothing for the soldier to do but drop his, drop his shield because it just the fire wouldn't go out no matter what they did. But Paul gives us this visual picture of the shield that we're supposed to have as believers in a spiritual battle because Satan is going to be shooting fiery arrows at us that discourage us, that pull us down, that make us feel like giving up. Uh, this passage says that we're supposed to stand. We're supposed to stand our ground. Christ has already won the ultimate battle, but we are still in a battle, um, a spiritual battle. It glorifies God when we move forward in faith and uh, are victorious, but we are supposed to move out sharing the gospel with other people, hopefully uh, helping to rescue them from the clutches of Satan, setting them, helping them to be set free from the chains of sin. And so these arrows that are coming in, um, they can be things like temptation, doubt, anger, frustration, pride, despair, fear, guilt, shame, confusion, deception, discouragement, depression, hopelessness, greed, lust, presumption, stubbornness, laziness, suspicion, jealousy, hate, 
wrath, discord, conflict, and the list can go on and on. But Satan wants to do everything he can. If you are a Christ follower who is trying to make a difference in the world, to stop what you're doing. Stop reading that Bible. Stop sharing your faith. Stop listening to that Christian program or that podcast or that music. So stop trying to force your morality on people. Stop trying to put biblical principles in our society. does everything that he can. And number one, we need to know that we can be protected by the shield of faith. We can be protected by the shield of faith. And it is not the faith that we muster up. It is the faith of Christ, the faith that we have in Christ, the faith in the finished work of Christ. So Jesus has already, for those of us who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Jesus has purchased our salvation. The work of the cross is finished. Um, Those of us who have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, our sins are covered and we are seen in God's eyes as righteous, as justified uh, through Christ's atonement. And so the Bible talks a lot about shields. Um, in Psalm thirty-three twenty, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Sometimes when we don't know what we're going to do, sometimes when it just seems like life is overwhelming and all this stuff is coming at us and it feels like we're getting attacked and we don't know how in the world we're going to survive um, holding up that shield, that shield of faith and remembering who we are in Christ and remembering what Scripture says about Christ in the front of this How to Find God New Testament, which is readily available for you to take with you and to read or maybe put in a Ziploc bag in your car so you're ready to ha- or backpack so you're ready to hand it to someone. Um, there's a whole section in here about how to have courage in trials and uh, Bible verses that encourage you that Jesus is with us in life's storms and how trials test our foundation and how God gives us hope to, gives hope to our troubled hearts and how trials help us comfort others and how trials are survivable and um, so many notes and helps in here. But we need to hold up that shield of faith and remember who we are in Christ as all of these difficulties come against us. Psalm 84.11 says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. He is our shield. Now the problem is, is that could you really say every day that your walk is blameless? I mean, if you're really honest, uh, is every day blameless? It's, it's not always but through Christ and his finished work, God sees our righteousness so we can still have this trust as we move forward. If there is something that is a form of blame that is upon us, we should deal with that. We should um, confess that, apologize for that, work that through. Um, And maybe you need to tell somebody that, hey, you're not blameless because when you said that, that really hurt. That, or when, when you did that. And so then you work that out and you uh, seek reconciliation on the wall out there. And when you come in, there's this br- peacemaking brochure pamphlet that has like different steps of finding peace with one another so that we can be blameless and move forward. Because Satan wants to divide us. Satan wants to tear us apart. God wants us to hold together and make a difference for the cause of Christ. Number two, we must stand our ground in the spiritual battle. We have to stand our ground in the spiritual battle and not give up. It would be easy for us to run away. It would be easy for us to fall down or to sit down or to give up. 
Uh, there are so many people that don't go to church because something happened in the past and um, it was hurtful to them and so they've given up on church. They're like, oh, I still love Jesus, I just don't love the church. And so we need to be the kind of church that's lovable. Uh, maybe the church people that um, are quick to forgive and forgivable so that we can move forward because we can do so much more when we work together. We can do so much more when we are unified together. Then we can alone. And when you live in your life, uh, the Christian life, disconnected from a church family, from a church body, you're not, you're not helping with your spiritual gifts. You're not, um, you're not making a difference. Uh, actually, that's, that's a point in the, in, in the future here. But Matthew 19, 4, uh, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And so we're standing for Christ. We're standing our ground in a spiritual battle. We are standing up for what the Bible says about these issues. Our society, our culture, our psychologists, our people, our professors training the college students are trying to, like, through Satan's uh, influence, trying to change everything and, and ruin everything. And, um, you know, between uh, redefining gender and redefining marriage, and it's just this whole mess of do whatever you want. Um, but Christ followers say, wait, wait, God's Word says that God created it this way. God designed it this way, and it should, um, it should be this way. We're going we're gonna to teach our kids that this is the way that it is. We're going to follow this because we trust God's Word more than we trust you, uh, leaders, professors, politicians, and everybody else. We stand for the truth. Jesus, Acts 4.11, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men, mankind, by which we must be saved. And we stand on that. We say that Jesus is the only way. It's like there's all these different religions and different philosophies and everything, but none of them match what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. Yes, Christianity is exclusive. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And that's the message that we hold out. That's the only message that we have. Jesus is the only source of salvation. There isn't anything else. And that's something that we stand for in this spiritual battle. And Satan wants to do everything he can to pull us down because of it. Matter of fact, um, in Matthew 10, 21, Jesus warned, brother will betray brother to death and father, a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. There will be a time, uh, there was a time back then and a time coming of persecution and difficulty where people will not agree with us and it will be difficult and it will be a spiritual battle but we must be ready for Satan's fiery fiery arrows we must be ready we must realize that they're coming that it could happen that um, we look around and it's like okay this this thing this hard thing that I'm going through this could be uh either a spiritual test. It could be uh, Satan trying to pull us down. It seems like anytime we get serious about doing things for God, living for God, giving our life to Jesus, um, it puts a target on us and difficult things happen. But yet the word says that we're supposed to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How do we prepare our children? How do we prepare our children to stand against that? When they're young, we start teaching them about the things of God. We start telling them how we live the Christian life. We start sharing with them um, 
how there are different views in the world and how the Bible is correct and uh, reading with them uh, different parts of the Bible and helping them to not only see that there is a book that talks about God, but that we believe in that book and it has changed our life and it makes us who we are today. And we hold up that shield with one hand while we train our children with the other. And it is a good thing. So, so we can say the devil made me do it or it's the temptation is is a spiritual attack, but sometimes it's within. Sometimes our biggest problems are from within. James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So sometimes it's not a blatant attack by the enemy. Sometimes it's within us, but sometimes it's a subtle attack that leads us to really want things. So to um, greedily want things, to be discontent with our life, to go and pursue things uh, more than the things of God, to just want to have something so bad that we're willing to give up uh, important godly things so that we can pursue this other stuff. So um, sometimes we just compromise and we tell our kids, and this will be meddling, someone's going to get mad about this one. We tell our kids that church can wait, church will always be there, but sports is what's most important right now. So yeah, as long as you're in this sport, we're not going to go to church on Sundays because that's when they have sports practice. So um, it might be better to say, hey, and this works really good if your kid's like an all-star on the team to tell the coach, say, you know what, we're really committed to our, uh, you know, following Christ and church. And so um, when you have practice on Sundays, my kid's not going to be there. So if you have practice at one o'clock on Sunday, we could make that work. But uh, my kid's going to be at church on Sunday morning and not going to be here for practice or even a game. And so uh, two things that might teach the coach that faith matters to some people And it might teach your kid that faith is more important than sports and other things. So, um, again, I'm sure someone will be upset about that, but we must prepare and take up our shields. We must prepare and take up our shields. We need to to really work it through in our head. How does this work? When when the inner voice inside my head, which can be one of Satan's darts, is telling me that I'm no good or that I should quit or that nobody cares or what's the use, why bother, that we should practice. So here are two soldiers on the same team practicing. So um, we should practice, okay? Um, if, I, if I have that thought, I'm going to quote this verse. I'm going to remember this part of the scripture. I'm going to look at this highlighted section in my Bible. I'm going I'm to look at that screenshot that I took on my phone um, of that Bible passage, and I'm going to read that again, and I'm going I'm to, maybe I'm going to call somebody, uh, a Christian friend, and say, I'm feeling really discouraged. I feel like I'm under attack, and um, 
and then maybe they'll have good words to say. You know, sometimes role-playing is a great thing if you want to be more successful at things. So years ago, I was in a customer service uh, for an industry that won an award for the best customer service, and often we would role-play. And so it would be like, okay, if the customer says this, I'm going to say that, and you're going to say that, we're going to do this, and we can do that. And so we would work it through. And then when the actual crisis came, we were ready to deal with it because we knew what we could do and how we could do it and what our resources were. And so the weird thing is, is that the president of the company came out and he's like, all right, I'm, I'm giving you, this is years ago, I'm giving you all $50 to take care of a customer's need. So y'all can spend $50 a day to just take care of whatever, expediting shipping or giving free stuff away. Y'all get 50 bucks. I'm not sure if there were five or six of us in customer service at that time. But so we're like, all right, we got 50 bucks. So we would get an irate customer and we'd come together and say, hey, this customer needs this and I, I only have 50 bucks. What do you got? And we would like pool everybody's 50 bucks together and then we'd have like $300 to take care of the customer. And, you know, if things got really bad, you know, we would break the rules. But basically the idea was is that we were practicing for difficulty. We were practicing to be successful. We were practicing to be victorious. And it was a good thing. So the problem that we have as Christ followers in the spiritual warfare is that Satan knows his time is limited. He doesn't get much time. So John 12, 31, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. At some time, when God says it's time, um, when Jesus returns, uh, there is going to be a big change in the world. Actually, um, in, uh, in November, sometime, I'm not sure which week, we're going to talk about the day of the Lord, which is not Sunday. It is the day when Jesus comes back and makes things right and overthrows all of Israel's enemy and sets up his throne in Jerusalem and out of the book of Zephaniah and Zechariah. Absolutely amazing what the scripture says. But here in 1 John 5, 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And we, we know that this to be true. So we move forward and we, we know that it will be difficult. We know that it can be hard, but we know that together that we can make a difference. And number five, we must use our shields together to be effective. Together, we are more effective than we are on our own. Here's another picture of this. Um, it's got different names, but uh, one book called it the tortoise formation, which must be the Englishized word. But anyway, uh, the idea that when they marched like this, when we were tight like this, they actually, some of the shields, they put hooks and loops in them. So not only did they carry them like that, but they were able to hook them together. If you hook them together in the front and across the top and even the sides, it basically made it impenetrable as they marched forward. Uh, rocks and arrows and whatever else was flying off of them um, as, they, as they made their advance. And as a church, sometimes when we're under attack, we don't need to run off. We need to come together and uh, make our tortoise formation, take our shields of faith and put them up and hook them together and encourage each other and build each other up. We can encourage each other. So many times, if you know that you're going through a hard thing and you've got two or three other 
Christ-following friends that are behind you, encouraging you, it can help make all the difference in the world. Um, just like a predator of the wild tries to get the, get the weak prey animal, just the, the weak animal, separated and tired and worn. And, um, just like that, um, Satan tries to get us off by ourselves, off lonely, off feeling like there's just no use when together we can encourage each other and build each other up. And that's why we are to not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So that's why we get together to worship. That's why we get together regularly. That's why um, coming to church is an important spiritual discipline. And um, growing in your gifts and learning how to serve and um, plugging into different kinds of ministries, maybe leading those ministries. And if you are the leader of a ministry, so don't go, oh, look at me, I'm the leader of the ministry, I do everything. No, the leader of the ministry looks around and says, who can I invest in? Who can I train? Who can I equip to be the next leader of the ministry? Not because you want to go anywhere, but because the more people that are equipped to do ministry, the more ministry we can do. Years ago, I read a book by John MacArthur called, I think it was Body Dynamics, and he said that God isn't going to grow your church until you are taking care of the people that you have and until you're equipped and ready for God to bring the growth. And so we need to be thinking about that. What can we do to be more equipped for God to bring growth? So here's an interesting proverb. It says, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. One of the problems uh, we have sometimes is that we don't realize that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. Uh, sometimes Satan is so subtle and we don't, we don't realize what he's doing. We don't realize how he is trying to tear us apart. We don't realize what he is up to. And it causes all sorts of trouble with, again, arrows of doubt, discouragement, deception, desire, delay, distraction, destruction, and denial. So um, the distraction is a big one. So sometimes the arrows aren't coming at you. They're coming at somebody next to you. And that has caused a problem and their life is falling apart. And you're trying to deal with that. And then you're distracted from what God wanted to do through you, uh, through the thing that you were trying to do to make a difference to advance the kingdom of God. So the word of God is a shield. And that's where we come to get our faith. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The worship team can come forward, but Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. So someone has said, someone has observed that as, as pilgrims, we walk. As witnesses, we talk. As contenders, we run. But as fighters, we stand. So next week is the missions conference, and then after that, We'll talk about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. We hope this message from Pastor Chris Tyen at Rockwell Church has encouraged you in your faith. Join us next Sunday at 1015 a.m. in person or watch online. We are located on Highway 53 at 93 Midway Drive in Virginia, Minnesota. To find out more and to let us know how we can pray for you, go to our website at rockwell.church.